0: Okay, grab your Bibles. Turn to Genesis chapter 29, or 30, yeah, 29. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. Genesis 29. So you guys remember last time in 28, Dad, Isaac, ascending Jacob, mainly because, you know, Rachel wants to save his life. (laughs) Esau's looking for his opportunity to kill his little brother (coughs) over Jacob's deception. He already had, um, you know, some bitterness in his heart over selling his birthright for a bowl of beans and then, you know, turn around and it's time for the Abrahamic blessing that goes to the firstborn and and, uh, while he's out hunting for the venison to make the meal that his dad wants before he gives the blessing, his little brother slips in. Posing as him, and uh, mom's got the recipe, so they they substitute goat meat for the venison and and trick dad and 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 so yeah, Jacob supplants his brother. So mom sends him, um, you know, off. She talks to her husband, and and so Isaac has the conversation with Jacob: "Marry your first cousin." That's the command, and and so we talked about, you know, that was then, and and this is now. Well, depending on what state you live in, uh, most people. Uh, avoid marrying first cousins. But well, that's what he's sent to do. He's sent to marry his first cousin. And, and so mom and dad send him away. And uh, we're going to pick it up here in, in Genesis 29. Let's pray. And then let's see what God has for us this morning. Father, we come to you today. Lord, We want we want to hear. We want to learn. We want to know. And God, we want to ask that uh, you would do what only you could do, that you could, you could take this time and, and you could take a guy with stumbling lips and uh, weakness, um, Lord, and just set all that aside and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to us, Lord, that we'd hear what you have to say. Lord, we don't want to just learn words. We want to hear from you and we want, uh, we want help to apply it to our lives, Uh, You have the ability to take each of our lives, our individual situations, and speak to us right where we're at, all from the same passage. And so Lord, we acknowledge that we need you for that, we're trusting you for that. Lord, we're counting on you to direct us this morning in your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis 29, Jacob's on the hunt for love. We're gonna call this first section here, starting in verse one, we're gonna call this First Love. Love is your first blank. Man, it's a good message whenever the first fill in the blank is love. Praise the Lord. Okay, verse one. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east and he looked and behold, a well in the field and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. Now pay attention here. Verse two says, and a great stone. It's not like it's like, great and awesome because it's better than all the other stones. It means it's a big stone. It's a really big stone. It's a great stone, was upon the well's mouth and thither were all the flocks gathered and then watch this, and they, right, not the stone master, no, it's they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place And Jacob said unto them, my brethren, whence be ye? And they said, of Haran are we? And he said unto them, know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said unto them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. And they said, we cannot until all the the flocks be gathered together until, there it is again, they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. So all the sheep have to be present and accounted for, and then it takes all of us to move the stone. It's not the right time, we don't have all the help. And while he yet spake, verse nine says, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them, and it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Forget the timing of all of the flocks being gathered. My mother's brother's daughter is here with her sheep, so he rolls the stone away by himself. So say whatever you want about this man of the tents. Jacob was a hoss. He was a stud. He's a strong guy. Verse 11, he's also a mover and a shaker. Look at this. And Jacob kissed Rachel. No, he's, he's happy to meet his family. And wept. lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So, and we see this in other places in scripture. A nephew in the Bible, biblically, is reckoned as a brother. Uh, We've seen this in the book of Genesis. Genesis 14, 16. Lot is called... Abraham's brother, and the Bible very clearly tells you that Lot is Abraham's nephew, but Abraham brought again his brother, Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people, Genesis 14, 16. So there's a principle right there. Uh, Let me just talk to all the uncles, okay? If you're an uncle, your nephews need you to treat them like a brother. They need that, right? treat them, you know, a lot of times uncles don't want nephews to bother them. They're pesky. They don't want to be bothered by their nephews. You need to treat them like a brother. Biblically, a nephew is reckoned that way. Verse 13, and it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him. Uh, So that's the greeting, right? There's you know, In other words, Jacob wasn't making a move on Rachel in verse 11. If that's the case, then Laban also made a move on Jacob and everybody's just perverse. That's No, it's greet one another with a holy kiss. So he kissed him and brought him into his house and he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he, Jacob, abode with him, Laban, the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, "'Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Uh, "'You've been staying with me for a month. "'You're working your tail off. "'You're, you're serving like a hired hand. Uh, "'You ought to get paid.'" You know, that's what the uncle says to the nephew. Shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? "'Tell me, what shall thy wages be?' "'And Laban had two daughters, "'and the name of the elder was Leah, "'and the name of the younger was Rachel.' Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So what's happened here is in this first month, Jacob falls in love with Rachel. It's probably love at first sight. First sight is your next blank. I mean, he meets this ravishing beauty named Rachel. And Rachel just captures his heart, completely captures and then, I mean, changes, right? She captures and changes the trajectory of his life Verse 17 says that Rachel was beautiful and well favored. Leah was tender-eyed. Leah, her name, the name Leah means weary or pining, and we're gonna find out a little bit later. Maybe she's got a reason uh, to be weary and pining. She's ready to get married, and there's no suitors lined up, okay? She's got a good personality, okay, but no suitors. So so Leah was tender-eyed, And Rachel was beautiful and well favored. So Rachel was the knockout. Leah had the great personality. Leah had the nice eyes, but Rachel was eye-catching. So it's gotta be a little frustrating for Leah when your little sister, like everybody's paying attention to her. Everybody is mesmerized by her. Everybody's always complimenting, talking how beautiful she is. I mean, it's gonna get old after a while, right? You get tired of hearing it. It's like, look at my eyes. I'm fair-eyed. I mean, you know, I gotta get, okay. She can't get any attention. So she's pining, she's weary. Rachel just means Rachel. because right? that's all she, I mean, her name doesn't have to mean anything special. She's, she's got the look. And now this is interesting. What we're gonna find out is that the first three generations of the patriarchs, right? The first, the wives of each of the first three patriarchs, they're beautiful, they're knockouts. They're knockouts. In chapter 12, verse 11, we find out that Sarah was a fair woman to look upon. In chapter 24, we find out that Rebecca was very fair to look upon, so fair, very fair. Third generation, well Rachel was beautiful, according to verse 17, beautiful and well favored. All right, so Jacob gets to work. We're gonna call this next section fervent labor. Verse 16, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored, so Jacob gets to work. Verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So Jacob is laying out the terms of the wages, the terms of the contract. Laban appears to agree. Look at verse 19. Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man, abide with me. So it sounds like he is agreeing to the contract. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, watch this now, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had to her. So Jacob's plan is to work seven years so that Rachel will be his wife. And the Bible says that the seven years flew by for Jacob because of his love for her. Love is your blank again. Uh, You know, a lot of, okay, so for a lot of people, they enter into... Um, a a close social, an intimate social relationship. It's on its way to marriage. And um, there's this concept, you know, this would be the way I would describe Cheryl and I's relationship before we got married. Uh, When the date's starting to end, you know, I'd feel a little depressed. The Beach Boys, it's such a big concept that the Beach Boys wrote a, a song about it. Wouldn't it be nice if we were married? Why? so we wouldn't have to say so long, we wouldn't have to say goodbye, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we were married because then we could be together, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we were man and wife so that this date wouldn't have to end, we could just spend our lives together. And so what's happening is, is there's, this, there's this longing and there's this desire to be able to stay together, to be able to be together and, and, uh, and then in that state it feels like the wedding day is never gonna come. My position, so help me God by his grace, is I will be a virgin on my wedding night. And the problem is, is the wedding is at the end of September, and it's June. I may not live that long, right? Like there's this, it seems like it's taking forever. Okay, so that's, okay, that's a couple that are into one another. Jacob is next level, yet. He is so into Rachel, right, his love, It's so much the real deal. Seven years are nothing to him. She's worth it. Okay, that's like, uh, well, I've I've never seen that example in my own personal life. That's some next level love, y'all. Solomon described it this way. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7, he says, many waters cannot quench love. I mean, if it's legit, water ain't going to drown it out. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. It'd be scorned. It'd be disdained. That's nothing, right? Love, love is powerful. Paul puts it this way in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 14. The love of Christ constraineth us. To constrain something is to, I mean, to, 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 to entrap it and yet compel it. It's to restrain. It's to contain and yet motivate it. In other words, the love of Christ constrains us. I don't get to live any old way that I want. The love of Christ sets a path and a pattern for me to follow, and I have to follow it. Do you see that? Love is powerful, man. It moves people in incredible ways. Ephesians 3 verse 19 gives the ultimate goal. It says it's to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, that's what it's all about, to know God, to know the love of God, to be filled with, right? To know the love of Christ, to to be filled with the fullness of God. And so you you see someone that says, yeah, I know God, I love God, but you don't see them full of the love of Christ. It's not the love of Christ that's coming out of them. Something went wrong, they're deceived. Something went wrong, Uh, they're deficient. I mean, what's in you, it's a great biblical principle, man. What's in you is what's going to inevitably, inexorably come out of you. So we want to know the love of Christ. We want to be filled with the fullness of God, right? We want that. That's the, that's the one thing to go after. And so Jacob's got this, man. He's absolutely captivated by Rachel. She's worth seven years is nothing to him. And so get this down in your notes. This is how powerful love is. Love has a way of empowering you to go through whatever you have to go through to get what God has waiting for you. Did you get that? Love, right, if it's real love, well then you can endure anything. You can go through anything because the because the the object, the goals, the outcomes of love, they're worth it. It's by love that we serve Christ. It's the love of God, right? The love of Christ that passeth knowledge, man. There's nothing like it. You'll not make a comparison to the love of God. Well, that will motivate you. It makes the hard work of serving him reasonable. So you're constrained. You move forward in faith. True love, you look at, it's another great lesson here. Jacob, he's not playing around. He gets right to work, working to get this woman in his life. And so, so get this down in your notes. True love always has right intent, And when you've got right intent, you get great contentment. And if you have the right intent with great commitment, well then that leads to fulfillment. Jacob's happy in his work, he's fulfilled. He's content, right, because of his great love. So let's break that down into a a formula for true biblical love. Right intent plus great contentment equals fulfillment. You You show me someone who's discontent, who's bitter, who's unsatisfied, well either the content, uh, they don't have contentment because they were after the wrong things, their intent was incorrect. You have the right approach, okay? If I've got the right approach, then I'm gonna roll right, and what comes out of that? Well, it's contentment, it's joy, it's satisfaction. Let's look at this equation from the opposite direction. Let's say it this way. Fulfillment is always the result of the right intent leading to great commitment. You want to be fulfilled in life? Agree with God and then start following, after the, start following after that, right? Start following after his word. In terms of a relationship, if you're interested in a right relationship, if you want a right relationship with someone, maybe somebody's pursuing you. Okay, so let me talk to the, let me talk to the high school girls. Okay, uh, where, where are my high school girls? Let me see your hands. They don't want to be called out. They're like, okay. As you grow, the dogs are going to come sniffing around. I mean, the boys are going to come around, okay? As you grow, and as, okay, so, and, and they're going to wonder, you know, who, 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 how, how do we make all this work out? Okay, so you got guys that are becoming increasingly interested. You got to ask yourself, what is this guy's intent? What's his goal in this relationship? Because if they want the benefit of the relationship without commitment, right, well then you're not going to find fulfillment. And what you'll get instead of contentment, right, is frustration. So you got a guy, baby, I love you. Well, what's his intent in terms of the relationship? If all he wants to do is hump your leg like a trash bag busting hound, his intent is wrong. All he wants out of the relationship is what he can get for himself. That's not going to lead to contentment for you. That's not going to lead to fulfillment for you. That's gonna lead to frustration. So you always have to ask yourself, yeah, he says he loves me, but what's his objective? What's his goals? What's he looking for? So ladies, get this down, don't listen to a dog. The same thing's true for the men. Men, get this down, don't fall for a hoochie, right? What does she want in the relationship? What's her intent? If the intent is right, then the commitment will be there and then that will lead to good fruit in the relationship contentment will come, right? There will be, with right intent, right commitment, you'll get contentment. If it's not there, if she just wants out of the relationship, what she can get for herself, well that'll be frustration. So ladies, don't listen to a dog, men don't fall for a hoochie. Uh, Put that in your notes. Okay, verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. It's the end of seven years, okay? For my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her, And Laban gathered all the men of that place and made a feast. They throw a big wedding party. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, the tender-eyed one. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter uh, Leah, Zilpah, his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, ah, it's Leah. And he said, Jacob said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Well, I don't know, Jacob. Wherefore did you beguile your own father in chapter 27? Did you forget about that? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Hello. Okay, what's happening? What goes around comes around. That's what's happening. Think about it. Genesis 25 verse 31, what did the younger say to the elder? Sell me this day thy birthright. Well, it's not so. That's not how you do it in this country. That's not how you do it in this family. Sell me your birthright. The younger don't go, right? The younger is not before the elder. That's not the principle. So here's Jacob fresh off of deceiving his brother and his father, stealing from his brother, deceiving his father. He has the exact same thing happen to him. It's just reversed. Here's a guy who lied to his dad, posing as the older brother. And now, finally, it's my wedding night. I'm going to get my bride. And the elder sibling is posing as the younger. Well, Jacob, what goes around comes around. So point number two, get this down in your notes. Jacob has met his match. God's using Laban to teach Jacob a lesson on deceit. You think you're crafty and shifty. You ain't seen nothing. And so Jacob gets ripped off. But God will use it in his life. We're gonna see this. This is the first step in God making, I mean, what's actually it started in the last chapter, but God's gonna, God's gonna, one step after another, God's gonna turn Jacob into Israel. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse six says, wherein ye rejoice greatly, though now for a season, if need be, year in gra- heaviness through manifold temptations, you're going through a rough time, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're going through a rough time. Guess what? God promises to use it in your life to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Laban, Laban, Jacob's uncle, offering to pay Jacob for his services in verse 15, and that's goodwill, but Laban still tricks Jacob. When he finds out what Jacob wants to be paid, he thinks, I'm gonna get a two-for-one special. And he doesn't tell Jacob, he tricks him. And it must have been a lot of drinking at the party because Jacob, who just worked for seven years, right, now learns a relationship lesson. He stumbles into his room, he knows that Rachel's on the way, and so get this down in your notes. If your relationship begins in the dark, you might not like what you get in the light. Uh, Don't miss that, right? I mean, it was love in the dark. It's a dark tent, and Jacob, you know, he, he gets what he's longed for for these seven years, and finally Jacob falls asleep. Uh, it was a big party last night. He wakes up late the next morning, and he turns over, and ah, it's Leah. Leah's in his tent. See, in the dark, you can't really see everything that's there. I mean, that, that's not just <laughs> in relationships like that, but I mean, it's in every area of life. Have you ever met somebody that you thought was one way, but later you found out they were another way. In other words, hidden parts of their life finally are now in the light and it's like, this isn't the person I thought they were. So you can't see everything if you stay in the dark. You think that Jacob would have received Leah if he gets to his tent, the lamps are on and and Leah's presented to him. No, this is not our agreement. This isn't what I worked these last seven years for. He never would have... He never would have done it, right? But he doesn't know who's in the tent with him. He thinks it's Rachel, but no, Laban makes sure that he gets Leah. So if you're living in the dark, you may do things that you would not do if you could actually see what was true, right? You wouldn't do things that you would do if it were the light of day. And I'm not, you know, okay, so maybe I'm not talking to you. Don't get all upset, okay? Uh, you don't have to get deficient, de- de- defensive about this, but some people they do this, right? Some people they live the way that they live because they're willfully blind. They don't want to think about the consequences. They want to. Th- they don't want to see what's true. They want to go away. That's right in their own eyes. They want to do what they want to do. So they do it in the dark. And if you were in the light, you would not do the things that you do. A lot of us know people who have some awful dark relationships. In verse 27, we see Laban's lie. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 26, we see Laban's lie. He says, it's not so, man. We don't, you know, you're, you're saying I ripped you off, but look, here's how it works here. Like Jacob can't figure this out after seven years of living there. Uh, we don't give the younger in marriage before the elder sisters married. We, we don't do that here. Uh, if there had been such a custom, Laban should have told Jacob about it when they first made the bargain seven years earlier. But, you know, this family knows how, to, knows how to turn a trick, man. So get this down in your notes. Jacob was a player who got played. That's what happened. I mean, here's Jacob. He's a twin. He's got an elder brother, Esau. Esau's the older. But Jacob was hanging on to his heel. And as a consequence, he's named the heel catcher. He's named Jacob. It means supplanter. See, Jacob lived up to his name. He was somebody that wanted to displace you so he could replace you. That's what he wanted to do, so that's what he does with Esau. He displaces him and then he replaces him. He tried to, he's the kind of guy that would want to dislocate you and then dislodge you so that he could then take your place and then enjoy your blessings. That's who Jacob was. And now it's happening to him. Here's a guy who lives as a deceiver. He did exactly as Laban, has done to him, Jacob does the same thing to his father and his brother. He poses as the elder brother in order to receive the blessing for himself. Now here's Laban doing the exact same thing to him. He's posing the elder as the younger in order to get a two-for-one special on marrying his daughters off, and doubling the price. Right, instead of seven years of labor, he gets 14. We'll see that in just a second. What's going on here? Job chapter 15 describes it. Verse 14 says, what is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman woman, that he should be righteous. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? That's the problem. Men tend to sin. (laughs) We're born to it. Here's the bottom line for all of us. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All of us are capable of all kinds of deceit. Because our hearts are desperately wicked. That's Jacob, that's us. And just like Jacob, we need that refined out of us. We need to learn that our deceit never works out. We need to learn that our deceit has consequences. We need to learn, right? We need to learn that our hearts are desperately wicked and that we need God's righteousness. See, God allows us to be in places where our lies about ourselves are exposed. And that's what's happening here, Jacob gets it in the gut. Oh, it's not so, I mean, the reason you got Leah is because the younger can't come before the elder. Everybody knows that, well, everybody except Jacob, who just got done cheating so that the elder, elder could come after the younger, right? So he's getting it in the gut. God's put him in a place where his lie is, I mean, it takes him seven years to learn about this lie in his own life. It's catastrophic in terms of the cost. He allows trials and persecutions to force us to examine our lives. And he does all of that to draw the dross of sin to the top so that he can draw it off, so he can skim it off for us. Why? Because he wants to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 25 verse four says, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. You've got crud and corruption, deceit in your life that needs to be drawn out, drawn off so that you'll be a finer vessel. God doesn't want you to get away with just living any witch away. He wants you to be conformed to the image of Christ. So Jacob, God makes sure he reaps what he sows. He stole the right of the firstborn, and now the right of the firstborn is stealing his hopes and dreams in Rachel. Does everybody see that? What goes around comes around. That's what happens. And he can't do anything about it. He's reaping what he's sown, Galatians 6, verse 7 God always has a way to make sure that what goes around comes around. Okay, now Leah is married. Watch this, we're gonna see favor over her life. Verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Okay, now again, we've talked about this before. Love and hate in the Bible, in, these, in, the, in a context like this, is not used the way we use the word hate, okay? In Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciple, Uh, his disciples, except you hate father and mother, right? You got to even despise your own life also. Until you come to that place, you can't be his disciple. And so we don't, from that passage, then do a cost of discipleship class and say to the people in the class, okay, before we'll pair you up in a discipleship one-on-one mentor relationship and and train you as a disciple of Christ, first you got to get on the phone right now, we want to hear, you call your mom and dad and you tell them you hate them, you don't want them in your life. You never wanna see them again. No, we don't do that, do we? Why, because that's not what the Bible means by hate. Hate in the Bible means you're choosing to obey, to follow, to receive one over the other. So this happens in discipleship. We'll have people that'll get, they'll get serious about the word of Christ. They'll get serious about following Christ and it freaks mom and dad out. It's like, why aren't you out in the world sowing your wild oats? Like said the Christian mom and dad, they want their kids living like hell because their, their child's fervor for Christ makes them uncomfortable. Well, Jesus warns up front. I mean, we have had that happen. Jesus warns up front. There'll be days like this. So you gotta decide up front. You're gonna choose you this day whom you will serve. You're either gonna obey me, Christ says. You're either gonna follow me according to your word or you're gonna fall, right? You're gonna fall for the influence of those in your life. So you decide up front, if Jesus says it, that settles it, I'm gonna do it, and mom and dad don't have to like it. Okay, anytime somebody refuses to listen to what you're saying, particularly if you're a parent, so here I am, this carnal parent, why are you so serious about the Bible all the time? Why are you always in a prayer meeting? Why are you always in a Bible study? What is wrong with you? Why aren't you out there partying with your friends? No, man, God's real in my life, Dad. I have to follow him. If that upsets you, so be it. But I have to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ over my life. Then my natural response is to say, man, why do you hate me? What am I doing? I'm upset because I'm not being submitted to. I'm not being received. I'm not being chosen. Hate in the Bible is one is being preferred over the other, followed before another, right? Chosen before another. And that's what happens here. In, it's not the, Jacob's not every day telling Leah, you deceiving skunk, I hate you. No, he, he absolutely cannot, Jacob's not stupid, okay? He's not a moron. He absolutely sees himself in this situation. He's not making Leah miserable, he just prefers to be with Rachel, <laughs> right? He's choosing Rachel over Leah, and so God sees it all. And so, you know, I mean, it's not like Jacob completely cuts her off, because they do spend some quality time together. Look at verse 32, and Leah conceived, she didn't get that kid underneath a cabbage leaf. A stork didn't bring it, right? They did have times together. Leah conceived and bare a son. Likely, probably that first night in the tent, right? She conceived. And she bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his na- uh, therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Okay, so there's a few things we can get from this section of Genesis 29. Number one, Jacob doesn't put Leah away. He consummated consummated the marriage, so he keeps this wife. He has some integrity. And he's willing to serve Laban another seven years for Rachel. The problem now, though, is he's married to two women. Right? So you you see back, let's just very clearly make sure we see this. Um, Go back up to verse 21. Um, There's the requirement of the contract. In verse 21, give me Rachel, right? I've served seven years. And then we see the deception that follows. In verse 26, Laban explains, we don't give the younger before the firstborn in marriage, that doesn't happen. And so the, the deal in verse 27 is fulfill her week and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he served another seven years in verse twenty-eight, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah his handmaid to be her ha- to be her maid. And he went in also under Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. So in this passage, in verses twenty-seven through twenty uh, through thirty, um, verse twenty-eight is explanatory. Okay, so. Jacob fulfilled her week. But he does that after Rachel is given to him as wife. Do You see that? That's why we did the math on Jacob's age, leaving his mother's tent the way that we did. Okay, notice what's happening here. Verse 28 is explanatory. But Laban gets seven more years of work out of Jacob. Um, But it's during these next seven years there's gonna be a I mean, just this big baby battle blowout between these sisters, between Jacob's wives. And uh, we'll, we'll look at that in, um, in uh, chapter 30. It'll get, it'll get crazy. So th- here's the deal. The Lord saw that Leah was hated. He opens her womb and she has four kids, four boys. Leah, she sees it, right? Um, she recognizes it. And so we'll see in the naming of these kids where her heart is at. But Jacob's got some integrity. He doesn't get rid of this first wife. He didn't intend to marry Leah, but he got her. And and he didn't intend to be married to two women, but now he has two. And there's trouble just the same. Leah's hated. Jacob doesn't love her like he loves Rachel. Rachel has his heart. Uh, So she's hated by her husband. And Rachel is jealous of Leah's children. And so that just forms strife in the home. And so God favors Leah in her affliction, in her heartache. And what he does through this is he teaches Jacob that Leah's worth favor too. You know, the Bible says in Exodus 21.10 that if you take a second wife, you have to take care of her just like you did the first. Exodus 21 verse 10, if you take him another wife, in this case, you know, Rachel was second, but she's first in Jacob's heart. So if you take another wife, her food, arraignment, and her duty of marriage shall he, not demit, dis, uh, shall he not diminish. You have a responsibility in the Old Testament dispensation to take care of that second wife like you did the first. Point number two, at first Leah, we know, you can tell just by the way she's naming these boys. She was looking for contentment through Jacob versus her relationship with the Lord. You know, a wife naturally looks to her husband for love But until she comes to the place where she recognizes God has to be first, she's gonna inevitably be frustrated. You could be married to Prince Charming. He's still gonna mess up. He's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna have problems. He's gonna disappoint you, right? There's gonna be those points of frustration. And at some point, a woman has to decide, my contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. What does that do? That gives you capacity, right? That puts you at a place where you're fulfilled. Now you can invest in the relationship. Again, Luke chapter 14, verse 26. You gotta decide up front. Christ is first. Otherwise, you're not an effective disciple. So she names this first boy Reuben. Reuben literally means, see, a son, (laughs) right? She names him Reuben in the hope that Jacob would see, she'd see her broken heart, right? Have a heart and love for her. But Jacob couldn't see her hurting. He still prefers Rachel. But the Lord saw her and so she has another son. She names him Simeon. Simeon means the Lord heard. It's like Ishmael. You know, they named named Hagar's boy Ishmael, which means the Lord hears in chapter 16, verse 15. And still, Jacob is hard-hearted toward her. So she has another boy. She names him Levi. She names him Levi because she believes that through childbearing, Jacob would love her and be attached to her, no luck. Finally, she has a fourth kid. Right, the fourth son, by this time, she's given up. I'm never gonna have this man's heart. Um, but that's obviously God sees me, he loves me, he cares for me, I'm just gonna trust him, I'm, I'm just gonna praise the Lord. Finally, by the fourth son, she's looking to the Lord. She names him Judah, which means let him be praised. Let God be praised. I'm done looking for the terms of contentment and satisfaction being in what somebody else can give me in this world. I'm just, I'm just gonna get it from the Lord. So finally, by the fourth boy, praise God. And hello, this is the line. This is the, this is the line through which the Genesis 3:15 prophecy is fulfilled. The baby that she has, this is Judah. Jesus is born of the tribe of Judah. He's literally, one of the names of Christ, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So here's Leah. I mean, she's in the line of the Messiah now. Let him be praised. I mean, Leah grew through this trial. So not only is Jacob getting refined, Leah's getting refined. God's at work in the lives of people, so he blesses them. Levi is the father of the priestly tribe, and Christ comes through Judah. Okay, here's what we're gonna see in chapter 30. Rachel was loved, but there's still strife between her and Jacob as well. So Leah's frustrated because she can't have Jacob's heart first in her own life. Jacob obviously prefers her sister. Well, Rachel's got what Leah longs for. Jacob is all about Rachel. But man, they're the, they're the two that can't get along. Jacob and Rachel are fighting. I mean, it's just, some, well, we'll see it when we, when we get to chapter 30. The baby battle increases and hilarity ensues. Uh, that's a joke, it's not funny. It's, it's, I mean, there's a mess in Jacob's tent. Okay, before we close, a few devotional points that we gotta observe and make from this chapter. Think about it, Jacob just worked his tail off, really 14 years. <laughs> he worked for, four, I mean he had to double down on the work that he does to get Rachel in his life. He works his tail off for his wives. And so the principle, it ought to be this, any love worth having, it's worth working for. Any love relationship worth having is worth investing in. So ladies, Get this down in your notes, right? Don't hook up with any man who won't wait for you and who won't work for you, right? If he just wants what he can get from you, oh, that's, that's a guy that's not worth having in your life. Paul, in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, he gives this command. He says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So here's an example of a guy who doesn't want to work and he wants to, the people of God just to take care of his physical needs and God's whole point is is he must not be that hungry right if he's not willing to get a job and work then he's obviously in no need of a sandwich now the church is supposed to be benevolent because tough times happen to people let's say a guy gets fired let's say something catastrophic happens well the church needs to come around and, and help and support Okay, benevolence is biblical, but here you got a guy that refuses to work but he expects everyone else to invest in him. Paul's like, get a job, you bum, right? That's Paul's position. You want to eat, get to work. Okay, that principle, it's true in relationships. I mean, don't 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 ladies, don't waste your time, don't waste your life on a guy that's not willing to work for you right you're worth it. don't sell yourself don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself out. The guy that's going to be a good provider, he's willing to invest in the relationship. He's willing to wait for the relationship in marriage. He's willing to do the work. Conversely, brothers, make sure that you get a sister that's worth working for because uh, you know, you do understand, and can get this down, point number one, here's the principle in the picture. No relationship works without work, and no love lasts without labor. Make sure you find a sister that's worth working for, because it's gonna take toil, commitment, and sacrifice on your, port, on your part. Read Ephesians 5, right? You're gonna have to lay your life down, loving this woman, and that relationship, it's not about how you feel, right? It's not about, it's not about what you think in the moment, it's about what God said. And God said she's worth everything. She's worth laying your life down for. It's always right to do what's right. It's always right to lay your life down, investing in the relationship that God has you in. Now, here's the second thing that we need to get. You know, Jacob's son by Leah, whose name is Judah, he becomes the ancestor of the Messiah. And so the principle is this, God can take something positive out of something that you thought was negative. I mean, here's Leah, my marriage just messed up, this guy's never gonna come around, he's never gonna get a clue, I'm never gonna have his heart. Well, Leah, guess what? God sees it and you're gonna be a mom to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Something that you thought was only bad, he's gonna take and he's gonna work it out for good. God can take the bad things that have happened to you and get something good out of them for you. Never forget that. So point number two, here's the picture in the principle, or the principle in the picture. No matter how bad things have been, no matter how bad it's been in your past, if you will just right now give it to God, right? Just make it Judah, praise him, right? Judah, let him be praised. If you'll give it to God, God's gonna start working it out for your good and glory, and he's gonna give you positive, right? He's gonna give you positive fruit. He's gonna give you a reaping that's beneficial in the future in spite of the pain of your past, right? Start sowing to the Spirit. Start letting your praise be to God and trust God because you're called by his name, you're loved of him, you love him. Well, he's gonna work it all out for your good. Whatever your past, man, praise the Lord It brought you to the place where God's at work in the way that he's at work in your life right now. It was worth it. Two more quick things and then we'll close. What we're seeing in Jacob, Jacob starts out as the heel catcher. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a cheat. And he's gonna end up being a prince, Israel, a prince with God, a prince before the Lord, right? A prince is, well that's God's son. And that's what God calls Israel, God calls him his son. So Jacob is a type of the true believer. Over and over again, we'll see him fail, we'll see him fall. But he grows and he learns and he builds an altar by faith. He struggles, but he's willing to wrestle with God for blessing. It's a picture of a prayer filled, uh, a, a, a God pursuing, praying believer. Conversely, his other brother is Esau, and Esau is a type of a carnal believer. He's also, Esau is also a son of Isaac and Abraham, right? With Jacob, he's a son of Isaac and Abraham. So he's in the right spiritual family, but the problem is he doesn't live for spiritual pursuits. He isn't living for the kingdom, he's living for sinful pleasure. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 16, we've already seen it. You know, Esau's a profane person. He's this bitter, adulterous, profane, bitter, corrupting person. That's a type of the carnal believer. You got a lot of people who are in the right Family, They're in the right spiritual family, but they just live for themselves, and it causes corruption. It causes damage in the body, Uh, just like Esau. Jacob, man, this guy's a mess. What a hot mess, but he's got a heart for God, and he learns from his mistakes. He moves forward in faith, and then God blesses him mightily. In this room, you're one of, I mean, you're one of the two. You're either a Jacob or an Esau. You're not perfect. You know, you're a, You're a sinner saved by grace and you're either living in the flesh for fleshly pursuit and you're making a mess out of your life and the lives of others according to Hebrews chapter 12 or you're like Jacob, the sinner saved by grace, learning how to grow in grace, learning from your mistakes, learning how to move forward in faith. I'd like us to bow our heads. I'd like us to close our eyes and I'd like us to examine ourselves before the Lord right now. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I feel like Jacob, man, I worked my tail off. I was investing in a relationship and I feel like I've been deceived. I feel like I've been ripped off in the relationship and I don't wanna be bitter. I wanna move forward in faith. Would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody like that? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, yeah. Pastor, please pray for me. I feel like I've really gotten a raw, a raw deal here. I've gotten, a, I've gotten ripped off and I, and I don't wanna be bitter. I want to respond in faith, would you pray for me? Is there anybody else like that? Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm looking for a mate. I'm trusting God for God's man or God's woman in my life. I'm trusting the Lord for a biblical mate. Please, would you pray for me? Okay. Okay. I'm looking for someone that's willing to work in the relationship. Okay, I'm gonna pray for you. Is there anyone that would say, Please, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know that I have Christ in my life. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm gonna go to heaven when I die. I don't know that I've ever been born again. Please, Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that in this service? We had a couple in the last. Is there anyone in this service that would say, please pray for me, I don't know that I have Christ in my life, I don't know know that I'm saved. Please pray for me. Is there anyone? Please pray for me. I need Jesus in my heart and life. Okay. Father, you see us and you see us where we're at. You see us for who we are and you know our need and so God, I lift up my brothers and sisters and for those who feel deceived and and shorted by brethren, God, I pray for your grace. Uh, Increase their capacity for forgiveness and forbearance. Uh, Let them be like Jacob and let them get back to work in the relationship. Jacob didn't quit. Uh, He didn't quit his relationship with Laban. He didn't quit his relationship with his wife. He kept moving forward. He kept laboring. Lord, help us to follow his example. Uh, Lord, we pray for conviction. We pray for repentance on the part of those who have deceived and defrauded, But but Lord, I pray for your grace over the lives of my brothers and sisters to keep moving forward. Uh, for those that are trusting you for a mate that's willing to work, to invest in the relationship, God, would you bless them? Would you help them to be like Jacob, just faithfully working in the field? And that Lord, you would provide your mate for them? Uh, We've got so many that want your best but, but are not positioned to receive it. And, and so here's Jacob doing the right work in the right place. And so give them strength, give them grace to just be engaged and following hard after you. And then Lord, would you bless them with a mate that's willing to, to work, to invest in the relationship. And then Lord, for those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, God, help them to see the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Would you pour out your spirit in conviction God, would you help them to see that, God, you love them and you're not willing that they should perish and that today is the day of salvation. Help them to go home today knowing that they've received Christ as Lord and Savior. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.